you know, these are big brands with big budgets and there's a lot at stake. And so the insights department and the insights group, they want to be strategic and they should be doing high value work and not worried about answering some of these day-to-day -day things that need to get done, right? And so we're enabling both sides of the house to be better and more effective and put the consumer at the center of every decision. And if you've got the consumer in the room, then you're building an empathic organization, right? You're listening to your consumer, you're understanding what they need from you, and you're building products and services that serve that value. And the more we can open that data up to the world, the more that we can put the consumer at every brand table on the planet, then we are delivering on our mission of making companies more human-centered. That's Avi Savar, who just articulated what really drives a successful business. It's having a window into human understanding, finding that unmet need that only your business can fulfill. Welcome to Uncooked, a podcast serving up raw insights for marketers as we hear the unfiltered truth from industry experts, brands, and the target audiences we serve in their own words. I'm your host, Jacqueline Lieberman, and today on Uncooked, I'm excited about my guest, Avi Savar, president of Suzy. Suzy is a real-time market research platform that puts the voice of your consumer literally at your fingertips. So imagine you're a wellness brand and you're in a marketing meeting and someone wondered aloud if your target consumer has purchased new workout clothes in the past 60 days. If you're subscribed to Suzy, you can ask and find out during the meeting. Yep, that's real time. Avi is a great guy with a fascinating background, so let's dig in. So before we talk about Susie and kind of get into research, which I'm excited to do, I really just want to understand who's Avi Savar. Tell me a little backstory. This is not being on the couch for therapy. Give me a minute of a backstory of who you are and all of that before you even arrived at Susie. I'll give you the abbreviated Cliff Notes version <laughs> and keep it as brief as possible. So I originally started my career in the entertainment industry. I was a TV producer for many years and found myself right around 2004 getting ready to leave. At that point, I was at VH1. Before that, I was at Good Morning America. And at around 2004, I went off and started a production company, my own production company. Lo and behold, you know, within six to 12 months, the world of entertainment kind of shifted on its head. And that was a big part of my thesis was this big shift to digital. And 2005, within a year of launching my company, this little company called YouTube came out of the gate and then got acquired by this other little company called Google. And online video became the rocket ship that we now know it to be. And I was very fortunate in my timing. And so my world really shifted from mainstream entertainment, Hollywood, to you know really being more about digital and technology and figuring out how to connect with audiences through the use of content and storytelling, but more through technological delivery than broadcast delivery. And that's everything from community development to content marketing. And so I'm a Hollywood producer turned agency person. My production company got rebranded and pivoted soon thereafter into a company called Big Fuel. And Big Fuel became, you know, one of the first and at that time largest social media marketing services company. I grew that to about 125, almost 135 employees globally. And in 2011, sold that to the publicist group. I got the bug to operate again, three years of working with entrepreneurs and looking to raise capital. And the VC world is super cool, but you're not building anything. You're kind of 
helping other people build, which is incredibly rewarding. But I kind of felt like I had one more race in me. <laughs> and so I connected with a very close friend of mine, a former college uh, fraternity brother of mine who I've known for decades, a gentleman named Matt Britton. And Matt had recently joined a company at that time called CrowdTap. And it was a little bit of a distressed turnaround. And he had this incredible idea of pivoting CrowdTap to what is now Susie. And Susie was born March of 2018. I joined Susie January of 2018. And now coming up on a couple of years, almost three years, we've grown Susie from, you know, what was about 10, 12 companies in, in terms of customers to, you know, well over 200 customers. We just closed our Series C funding, raised about 35 million bucks from a number of awesome investors. And really, we've stumbled onto something pretty remarkable. Our 100th employee started on Monday. So we just crossed that threshold. Congrats. Let's get into really what Suzy is exactly and how is it different from other platforms that are out there? At its simplest form, we've got a network of consumers. Over 1.5 million consumers have applied to join this network. About 10,000 every month apply to join. We accept about 20% of those, and there is an application process and an onboarding and verification process, very much like if you wanted to be you know, a Nielsen family and have Nielsen set that box, right? As antiquated as that might be, there is a process by which to become a Nielsen family. Hey, there's something here from the Nielsen company. Dear Griffin family, you have been specially selected from amongst millions of American households to be a Nielsen family, and as such, to have your TV viewing habits monitored in order to measure television ratings. So we have this network of screened and verified consumers. They engage with us through a number of different platforms, primarily a mobile game that we have and a few other touch points. That's the consumer side of the business and they are rewarded. They earn points for their participation in the community, their participation in the form of answering questions and giving us their opinion and you know, sharing content. And on the flip side of that, you've got brands that log into Suzy and we've built very robust market research tools that ping this network of consumers. We're the only ones that have created this really integrated experience where it's software plus audience, and we don't charge on a per response basis. So you can use SurveyMonkey or OneCube or SurveyGizmo or any number of survey software, right? And some are better for UX and some are better for watch video and some are better for other things. So they tend to be, we call them like point solutions, right? They're a tool that does one thing really well none of them have an audience. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to build a market research cloud where you've got a quantitative platform, a qualitative platform. You've got audiences that you can save and source. You've got the ability to talk to specific panels from IT decision makers to healthcare professionals to small business owners, right? And so Susie Audiences, as part of this marketing research stack, is a big part of the equation. And without it, all you have is software. And then you're left with where do the responses come from and who are they coming from? Right. So there's plenty of competition, but I think we have shown our ability to outmaneuver. Some of them have better software, but none of them have the audience. So I think that gives us the ability to do things that are uniquely different that they cannot do. I'd love to understand a little bit better for listeners. When you say gamify, just walk us through one example of what a panelist might experience on Suzy. So you can go download the CrowdTap app and you'll have to go through a somewhat cumbersome, annoying verification process, but that we have to do because of several reasons. But assuming you're verified, the experience is quite simple. You're playing a game 
And within the game, you're opening these tiles. It's kind of like a checkerboard of sorts. Behind these tiles are different questions. You're answering questions. You're giving your opinion. You're sharing your thoughts. And as you do that, you're earning points, right? And you're unlocking rewards. Those points get redeemed for any number of gift cards that we have in the storefront, Amazon, Walmart, Target, Sephora, Xbox. And the questions under those tiles could be, you know, how often do you buy this? How often do you go? Exactly. When was the last time you were at a Walmart? Do you own a pet? Right. And so if you answer yes to the, do you own a cat? You know, or which of the following pets do you own? You own a cat, you own a bird or whatever. Now, the next time that brand can come back to you a week later and ask dog owners questions. Right. And so the targeting gets built in based on the questions that you're answering. And so you tend to get questions that are relevant to you based on how you've answered in the past. And so there's an entire methodology around it. But generally speaking, what we're trying to do is like not have you fill out a 20 question survey all at once. Mm. Right. That experience is awful. And that's how the entire kind of survey industry runs is they force you into a path where you have to answer 30 questions, right, or 25 questions. By the time you get to the seventh question, you're kind of fed up with the whole thing. And you just run through it very quickly if you even get to the end of it. So there's a lot of what's called fatigue. There's fatigue involved in the filling out of these surveys. And so we don't do that. These consumers are not responding to surveys. They're responding to survey questions that are broken out into individual actions. And so they don't even know they're filling out a survey as they're doing it. It's, it's a fluid experience. They're definitely answering questions, yeah. but it's not like they're going through a linear experience. It's one question It's one question at a time, and that question leads you to the next one, and that unlocks a reward and things of that nature. Traditional market research gets a bad rap for a really good reason. Even if you have a statistically significant sample to answer those 30 questions you have, there's no doubt there's a level of survey fatigue that you need to account for in your results. And Susie's gamification piece adds a layer of pleasure not found in market research, like ever. Focus groups may be more stimulating than a survey, but people are still doing it as a means to an end. And doing anything under those conditions can't possibly produce the results to bet a whole marketing budget on. The unlock here for me is quality. There's a rigor of vetting people who even come into the Suzy network where 80% of applicants are getting thrown out monthly. And the intangible aspects of happy respondents lead to quality results. I'd bet my budget on those results any day. Why the name Susie? So two reasons. One is, first and foremost, we wanted something human. We're positioning ourselves as an approachable, human-centered company. And our competitive set, the folks that are in our space, have names like Qualtrics. Right. They're very mathematical. So we wanted something approachable and human. And because it's really the voice of the consumer and it's real time, there's obviously this world trend around Siri and Alexa and all these AI. Like We're not positioning ourselves as an AI company, but we are positioning ourselves as a company that can give you that answer immediately. And so we want you to ask Susie and we want you to ask Susie what your consumer thinks and we want Susie to be able to tell you that. So we want Susie to be the voice of the consumer for you. Mm. I think it also is just a whimsical, fun expression of the voice of the consumer and it's approachable and it's human. So what we're trying to do is 
I hate to use the phrase democratize because it's so overused, but we are trying to democratize research in a way that has never been done before. The overall research world, the market research landscape, the addressable market of research globally is depending on who you ask, somewhere between 50 and $70 billion. Why do you think that the industry needs to be democratized? Because of that 50 plus billion dollars uh, research spend, 50% of it goes to 10 companies, right? 50% of the overall market sits within the Cantars, Nielsen's, Ipsos, Axioms of the world. Those dominant leaders in the market research space, they control the industry. And that means that in order for you to get access to high quality research, right? You need budget, you need time, you need resources. And that's fine. That's uh, kind of how it's been run forever. But the reality is like the world is moving way too fast. Brands need to do a hell of a lot more with a hell of a lot less. And by giving brands almost direct access to the consumers to be able to connect directly and get the insights they need instantly, we're creating a new value proposition. We're not suggesting by any means that you're going to replace us with a Nielsen, God forbid, no, you're, but you're going to supplement your Nielsen budget with a Suzy license. And with that, we're just creating new agile methods for brands to get actionable insights instantly rather than waiting three, six weeks for a report. Right. So I was going to ask, why should people still use Nielsen? Why couldn't it be theoretically replaced with something like Suzy? What's the place for traditional research? Traditional research will always have a place. Nielsen's quality is Nielsen's quality, right? They're best in class. And when you need deep, deep analysis, that's where you're going to go. And we're not looking to replace that. We're looking to create an agile function that doesn't exist in research. Now, by the sheer nature of that, it's going to take share away. There's a fixed number of dollars that gets spent every year. Maybe that grows year over the year. Hopefully it does. And so... Those 10 companies, they get the lion's share of that. And we're saying that there's a few better mousetraps in the world. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to go over there to get your deep analysis and do your longer term project work and think about data from a number of different touch points. What we are saying is the ability to connect directly with your consumer is critical. And now in a post-COVID world, there is no in-person market research, right? There's no focus groups. People are not getting stopped coming out of a movie theater, getting asked if they like the movie or not. Really, it's phone and who answers their phone anymore, right? Like, you know, nobody's <laughs> taking spam calls anymore. So how, as a brand, how do you talk to a consumer? We launched our first secondary product as part of our suite called Suzy Live, which allows you to hit a button and get consumers on a Zoom and, you know, based on your target demographics, you know, and that has been an incredible opportunity for us to create value because we work with large brands. And part of what we're doing also is the focus on large brands, I think is actually an important one because products like SurveyMonkey exist in the world. We're not inventing agile market research. What we are inventing is agile market research for the enterprise. And an enterprise customer like a Microsoft, a Kraft, a Citibank, a PNG, these are large organizations that spend a lot of money in research and they have expectations of quality and data integrity and privacy. And there's an opportunity to create a new model for agile DIY in the enterprise that really doesn't exist. Right? Not a lot of big brands are spending tons and tons of money with SurveyMonkey, right? SurveyMonkeys, if you read their public filings, it's something like 300,000 customers at an average of $300, right? 
we don't have 300,000 customers, nor do we probably ever want 300,000 customers. We've got 200 customers and they spend a whole hell of a lot more than 300 bucks with us, right? So it's an enterprise product with an enterprise price point, enterprise service and support, an enterprise quality data and an audience that is unparalleled, right? These tools that exist in the open market, the survey monkeys of the world, they don't have an audience. They are buying their audience programmatically through open exchanges. Mm -hmm. And so that's why when you're watching a video on YouTube, you might every once in a while see, you know, take the survey. That's where online survey data comes from. It's through these open exchanges. And we're coming in and we're saying, no, that's not good enough. The quality is not good enough. 20% spam rates for online market research is not good enough. And we are saying we can do that because we have our own audience and we can maintain that quality. It's why we have application and a verification process for the audience. So our spam rates, our fraud rates are below 2%, where the industry's spam and fraud rates are above 20%. And that is enterprise. Susie's whimsical name takes you to a more human place than Qualtrics, for sure. And I really applaud them, though, for being brave, because I'm sure that they imagined large enterprises who would be potential clients. And there's a risk that these companies might not take them seriously. Besides bravery, though, the naming of Susie has two things going for it. The advent of Siri and Alexa normalized technology to be personable. And the second piece is Susie's proposition of rigor, of audience and data quality. It's their key point of differentiation. And it's so strong that it kind of doesn't matter what you call it. The other point, though, to pause on here is the notion that the closer we are to our consumer, the better our businesses will be. Companies who have a large advertising budget, I can understand the need for traditional research because there's a lot at stake, frankly. But I'd argue taking too much time is also a risk. After crossing your T's and dotting your statistically significant I's, consumer mindsets could still change. Think about it. A few months to field quant and then qual, then there's alignment on the findings, and then those findings have to make their way into a creative brief and then into approved creative and then trafficked out in the wild through media. Most company timelines has this at a nine to 12 month effort all in. The world we live in today, especially right now, moves way too fast for that. So is Susie considered a mix of qual and quant? Yes. So we have a dedicated qual platform called Suzy Live. Suzy Live allows you to do qualitative video-based in-depth interviews. Got it. And then on the core Suzy Insights platform, you can run qualitative research through open-ended responses and other action types. But primarily, the majority of actions that you get on Suzy Insights are more quantitative, mm. multiple choice, grid, rank, et cetera. Just curious, quant and qual, which ones excite you most when you start to like looking and get results back? It's amazing you say that. As we have been hiring a lot more really amazing market research professionals, we came to find out that there is in fact factions of people out there where you're either a quali or a quanti. Yeah. I didn't know this until recently. You know, it's like the jets and the sharks. <laughs> when you're a jet, you're a jet. All the way from your first cigarette to your last dying day. When you're a jet, we're kind of trying to bring them together. Yeah. And we kind of think that magic really happens when qual and quant work hand in hand. And you can get really powerful results. And I'll say that, especially within the Susie experience, because 
we have our own audience. And I keep saying that because it's important. By having our own audience means you can retarget those people, right? Right. So in the Midwest that went to Walmart, if you ask them something today, three weeks later, you can go back and say, oh, the ones that like the blue logo instead of the red, I want to ask them this other thing. And so imagine the ability to take what is the beginnings of some quantitative research to, to actually get some insights and then take your quantitative results and push them into a qualitative experience to follow up, right? And then go back to those people that you created, that you spoke to and push them more quantitative. Like, and so it's an iterative process that allows for you to get the most incredible results because the two are working together. I love that. I think one of the things too about, you know, you were talking about the jets and the sharks and kind of like <laughs> oil and water is also research and timelines. I feel like are oil and water, you know, sometimes they just don't mix and the research sometimes becomes diluted. Yeah. What advice can you give to strategists to really defend having to conduct research to begin with? Because a lot of times, you know, the strategist is like, we really need to dig into X, Y, Z. And the project manager is like, we don't have the budget, we don't have the time. Yeah. And usually it's the time. I think it comes down to a couple of factors, right? One is, depending on the kind of organization you are, if you look back and think about all the things that you put out into market that didn't work and what the cost is of that right. and the impact of failure on an organization, and that's more than just time and money. There's calculations that go there. But for the most part, I think the easiest way to frame up your question is to say that today, consumers are completely different than they were nine months ago. Right. And the fact is, like anybody who can tell you that they know exactly what a consumer is thinking or doing or behaving. They're lying. They're lying. Nobody knows because like, look at our election. Like nobody <laughs> knows anything, literally nothing. <laughs> We are starting from scratch, people, and without access to cost-effective, scalable research that gives the voice of the consumer access to your world, I don't see how you do it, right? right? And so we're not looking to preach the values of research. Like The values of research exist, and our customers, thankfully, by focusing on the enterprise, they already respect and appreciate research. And there are some folks who will never come around to it. And those are the companies that we tend to say are run by hippos. The highest paid person's opinion mm. is really what determines what gets done. And you're never going to tame the hippo fully. But if you can provide the hippo with some data, then at least the hippo can make an informed decision. I'm going to pose a question that I've posed in previous episodes, but I'm curious how you would answer it. Knowing the brands that you work with, like you said, the big companies, and it's really about saying, given everything we've just gone through as a society, pandemic, crazy election, Black Lives Matter, you know, and it goes on and on. Given all of that, how can brands become more human? Our mission as a company is to enable human understanding and everything we do ladders back to that. Is that your purpose? That is our purpose, to enable human understanding. We feel like the market research industry has kind of commoditized the audience. When you call the audience sample, by default, you're treating them like a commodity, right? They are not sample, <laughs> they are people. Yes. And those people have thoughts and feelings and emotions. And our job is to figure out how to harness that and deliver it back to you in the form of tangible insights. Because these are big brands with big budgets and there's a lot at stake. And so the insights department and the insights group, they want to be strategic and they should be doing high value work and not worried about answering some of these day-to-day -day things that need to get done, right? And so we're enabling both sides of the house to be better and more effective and put the consumer at the center of every decision. 
And if you've got the consumer in the room, then you're building an empathic organization, right? You're listening to your consumer, you're understanding what they need from you, and you're building products and services that serve that value. And the more we can open that data up to the world, the more that we can put the consumer at every brand table on the planet, then we are delivering on our mission of making companies more human-centered. I love that. Isn't the challenge then the information that you hand off to your clients actually helps with that sentiment as opposed to more commercialization, like you said? Yeah. Listen, it's about value creation at the end of the day, right? It's about what are needs that exist, unmet needs that exist in the world, and how are you supporting and solving those unmet needs by the creation of products, services, and experiences that matter. And if you do that, then you get to charge for it and people will buy it and people will come to you because they want more of it. And the more you understand what those needs are and what the pain points are, the more you'll understand how much you can charge for it, how many people have that problem and whether or not it's a big enough problem that you even should solve it and who else in the world is solving it and how are they doing it that may be better or worse than you. And so you're looking at competitors, you're looking at the market at large, you're looking at how to position your product, where's the white space. So in every part of the commercialization funnel, from the time you have an idea on a napkin to the time that's already in the stores and being bought and you're hoping to get repurchasing happening and everything in between, right? You need the consumer at the table with you from the time you have, it's an idea on a napkin to validate whether or not it should even exist all the way through the first prototype, all the way through the first ad campaign, all the way through to the time that you pick up the phone and you try to get Walmart to carry it all the way through to the time that the person buys it on the shelf, right? Every part of that needs consumer input. Who would you say is your most respected competitor? We have a number of competitors in a number of different areas. I think I would argue and tell you that what we do is inherently different because not many, if any, of our competitors actually come with an audience. Our competitors tend to be great pieces of software, right? And you can license and, and subscribe to the software, but they require you to either bring your own audience, which means you have to have a CRM database to invite your own people into it. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself is great, except that's inherently biased because you're talking to your own consumer base. Or you have to go and buy audiences on the open market, right? So that you can feed sample into these software platforms. And for us, we're the only ones that have created this really integrated experience where it's software plus audience, and we don't charge on a per response basis. Okay, Avi, write the headline five years from now in a glowing feature story about Susie. Oh, fascinating. I would say the headline would be something along the lines of how Susie is now seen as one of those top 10, top 15 market research players and the legitimacy and quality of what we do is on par with what is the industry standard. I think there's something to be said about the, being the newcomer, the newbie on the block. And I've experienced that. Matt's got experience with that. We were talking about social media before there even was a Facebook. And we were always the ones tugging on everybody's shirts going, you got to listen to this. You got to hear this. This is where the world is going. This is happening, whether you like it or not. And if you don't get on this bus, you're going to get passed by. Mm -hmm. And I think we're driving a pretty awesome bus right now. And there's a lot of people getting on it. And I hope that they see the value of it going forward. And our job in many respects right now is to not screw it up. <laughs> we have found a phenomenal formula in the software and the audience that we built. And we hope that we can 
really do it justice and that we live up to our mission of enabling human understanding across the enterprise. And if we do that, the headline's going to write itself. Well, Avi, don't screw it up. I won't screw it up, I promise. When you think about the term market research, your first thought is definitely not to enable human understanding, as Avi describes. Somewhere along the way, research lost its humanity by calling people samples and segments instead of just people. Susie is putting an end to all of that, and I couldn't be happier. Avi said businesses are meant to fill an unmet need to offer products, services, and experiences that matter. It's what author Marty Newmar calls mattering is the new marketing. If we're not doing something that matters to our tribe who buys us, then it's time to reevaluate. At the heart of Susie's whiz-bang gamified technology is helping us answer some fundamental questions that we should not proceed without a product or an idea until we know the answers. You might want to grab a pencil because they're important questions. Here's what every marketer should be asking. What is the pain point? How many people have the same pain point? Who else is solving for this? And how can we do it better? When big enterprises quickly and confidently get these answers from the people who matter, it's hard to see how they'd fail. And let's finally talk about research that yields fast results. I do understand the skepticism for firms who just buys audiences without the rigor Susie employs. But months of analysis paralysis should also raise some eyebrows. There's no good reason for the length of time that I've seen to analyze traditional research. Here's a dirty little secret. The only reason it takes forever to get the readout report from one of those big firms, it's because the same analyst is working on 50 other summaries also. That's all. They're not magical. They're not any smarter than other analysts you've worked with. They just need time time to juggle their other projects. So while you're patiently waiting for the big reveal, which by the way, never comes, it's never a big reveal, you could get the insights faster and you could actually act on them while you're waiting for them. Anyway, I truly believe decisions should be made with more agility than they do now, especially the way that we see how quickly things can change with major events that affects the shifts in our behaviors. Insert pandemic insurrection, Black Lives Matter, natural disasters. Things can turn on a dime and we need to find ways to connect to our consumer tribes so we can see their unmet needs and we can quickly solve for it. And finally, I'll just offer to say, these are my opinions and are not reflective of Susie's or Avi's, just giving you the raw truth as I see it. This has been an episode of Uncooked. I'm Jacqueline Lieberman, founder and chief strategist at Brand Crudo, a marketing consultancy. You can learn more about what we do at brandcrudo.com. I want to thank my guest, Avi Savar, president of Suzy. You can check out Suzy for your business at suzy.com, S-U-Z-Y.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this episode. It's the only way the podcast reaches new people, not my rule. A quick 60 seconds is all it takes and your feedback would mean the world to me. Thanks so much for listening.